Welcome to another episode of Film Spotlight here on Blokebusters. I'm Paul, and today I am joined by Miles and Richie from the Best Darn Diddly Simpsons Review podcast. How are you guys doing? Doing great, man. Really excited to be here to talk about a truly awesome and a truly terrible movie with you tonight. <laughs> Movies are, are a big passion of both of ours, so this is a very exciting opportunity for us. Yeah, yeah, usually we get stuck having to talk about The Simpsons nonstop, day after day, week after week. It just never ends, man. So thank you for the uh, thank you for the break. <laughs> That's all right. I mean, you know, obviously a, a great idea of yours to being both fans of film to do a Simpsons review podcast. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, this is going to be a little different because normally it's one guest that we have on doing this but uh we shall see how this goes so why this don't is you... a terrible idea just in advance getting both <laughs> yeah, of us yeah, on you, at the same time terrible you idea. definitely ruined your show sorry about that <laughs> well i mean depending on who you talk to you could say it was ruined before this but uh yes fine <laughs> um so all right why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves and your podcast first before we dive right into it then Richie, take it away, sir. We do a show about The Simpsons, period, the end. No, I'm just kidding. The Best Darn Diddly Review Show is a podcast for Simpsons fans, hosted by two guys who are Simpsons fans and who grew up loving The Simpsons. So really, if you ever have had any kind of connection to The Simpsons, you will find enjoyment out of this. And honestly, even if it's a bad relation with The Simpsons, everyone's got a connection to them. So why not give us a listen? You might learn a thing or two. Show us on the doll where the Simpsons touched you, and we'll talk about it on the podcast. No. Uh, yeah, that pretty much nails it. We just we really enjoy the show. We go through each week, and we review an episode chronologically, and we happen to be right in the heart of where basically everybody agrees is what's considered the golden age of the Simpsons. We're right now in the middle of season six. We just had our 100th podcast, which is really exciting, and... It's just an absolute treat to go back and revisit this show that we watched, I mean, multiple times a day for years of our growing up and in, in our teenage years, our, our adolescent years, all of it, uh, and now revisiting it through the lens of adulthood or pseudo-adulthood for most of us. <laughs> um, it, you know, it gives us a different perspective, and it's a lot of fun to go back and discuss. Yeah, yeah I, I have enjoyed listening to the odd episode here and there, you I don't believe I've listened in a little while, but I do have about 24 different podcasts I'm subscribed to, so I'm kind of <laughs> <laughs> kind of round-robining it right now. But, uh, I totally get it. There's so many good podcasts out there. I just appreciate you uh, taking the time to listen to a couple of them, man. Just, yeah, if, uh, obviously we want everybody to listen to every, every episode, but, you know, pick a couple of your favorite Simpsons episodes and give it, a, give it a try and see what you like, and if you're down with coming on the journey with us. Exactly. So. Let us sink our teeth into you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So obviously we have you guys here to do film spotlight, and uh, assuming that you've listened to at least one of those before, you should know the general idea. We will talk about the one that you love first, and then move into the one that you hate, and <laughs> leave a bad taste in everyone's mouth. I love it. Exactly. So. What I'll try and do is guess the genre of the film that you love first. That'll be the first thing. So, see, I get two guesses at this. So, the first one will be sci-fi. 
No, sir. That's nah. a swing and a miss. Uh, I guess we're playing cricket rules because you only get two outs, I understand. Yes, well, uh, <laughs> generally the, the ruling has been that I'll have a go and then Brian will have a go. But whenever Brian's not here, I, I give myself the second one. That makes that <laughs> seems totally fair. And what the heck, Miles? You prepared for this with learning about <laughs> cricket? I, I'm out. <laughs> no one understands cricket. I just threw it out there because I figured no one would be able to call me on it. <laughs> Well, I I was going to. I did uh, I did play cricket growing up, but uh, I figured you're the guest. I wasn't going to. <laughs> um, all right, second guess. Uh, you know, I think I'm just going to have to go with the one that my uh, my partner would always go with, and that is Buddy Cop. Oh, I love that guess a lot, but unfortunately, <laughs> that is another another whiff. Yes, no, he has never been right with that one. So. <laughs> One you mean one nobody's come is, on though? with like, yeah? You so surely somebody will pick Lethal Weapon or even Cop Out at some point, right? Or Let's Be Cops. <laughs> yeah, you think oh, even Turn and Hooch, you know, like just something. But <laughs> nah, not so far. All right then. So uh, why don't you let me know what film it is that you picked? So we went with the super obvious, and I picked. A, I for what's worth, I picked the favorite, and Richie picked the least favorite. But we both tried to keep each other in mind when we made our pick so we picked a comedy uh and it's one that you know meant a lot to us in college it came out uh right when we were living together and it kind of identified a lot of the way we feel which is super immature and unprepared for the world at large uh, so uh we chose 2006 accepted accepted okay i don't believe i know this one uh so who's in this so it stars Justin Long is the main character. It's also an early appearance from Jonah Hill, who I think is it's his uh, first like really big role. Like he had a little bit, a lot of smaller roles before this, but this is one where he really got to Jonah Hill it up. But like it was before everyone knew who he was. He was very chubby. It's kind of almost off putting in this because he's probably at maybe his fattest as an actor. And then as we know, he dude like leans up crazy for like 21 jump street and is able to let it out again for Moneyball. It, it's nuts the dude's got range what can we say <laughs> all right yeah i i can definitely say i have not seen this one i believe my brother has and this is one of those films that whenever they came out i was like yeah you know i'm not gonna go to the cinema to see this maybe i'll see it if it's on tv and then i just never got around to watching it i don't know uh I don't know if I'll actually take the time to sit down and watch it, but uh, you know what? Why don't? Speaking of that, why don't you sell me on the film then? Why should I take the time to watch this? Well, first of all, you totally should go to the movie theaters and ask them to play this movie for you in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, I'm let's sure say that they work. let's say I can't do that. What would be the next best thing? So let me ask you a question first, because I think it, it'll pertain to our uh, how which direction we go with the sales, or honestly, even if it's worth trying. Uh, <laughs> did where, did you go to to college? I did. Yes. Tell us just briefly about your experience there. Like, were you a good student? Were you comfortable there? Did you feel like you fit in, or were you more of maybe an outsider? Uh, you know, didn't really see a lot of purpose. Tell tell us about yourself. You're stressing in that constantly about projects and class and notes and homework. And uh, I would say that I was probably fairly much a middle of the road student. Uh, I I had a couple of things that came up that were. Uh, a little odd uh most notably my 
my third year uh, in England you only have three years at university unless you're going for like a medical degree uh, but in the third so year in, you in have the United States we project. tend to go like five to seven yes because <laughs> uh, they want as much money from you as possible uh, <laughs> yeah but, it's the gimmick but uh, yes in the third year you have the final year project and that takes up 20% of your final grade and so I presented what I was wanted to make my final year project and they said okay well in that case here is the person that would be your mentor the teacher on staff that's closest to this particular topic and they can tell you sort of where you might be going wrong or like what might be a good thing to change or anything like that so I was like all right and I tried to set up a meeting with the guy and I didn't see him for the entire first semester because he just wasn't around And so the first week of the second semester, he was finally there in his office. So I booked a time and I went to see him and he said, right, what what can I do for you? And I said, well, you're my mentor for my final year project. And he said, I am. <laughs> and I said, yes, you are. Um, this is where I've got comforting. to. This is where I've got so far. And so he was like, oh, OK, well. And then he gave me some advice and uh, and he said, well, why don't you come back and see me next week and we'll go from there. And I said, OK, sure. So I went back the next week. He wasn't there. <laughs> and he wasn't there the following week or the week after that. In fact, the only other time I saw him on campus that year was I was walking to a class and he was about, let's say, 500 feet in front of me turning around a corner. And that was it. That was the only other time I saw him that year. I like to think it's like you chased him down and like as soon as you got there, he had just mysteriously vanished into like a dead end alleyway. So he's basically a ghost. Yeah, it it later came out that uh, I think he was uh, he was basically fighting with his wife over the right to ownership of a paper that they had both published. Oh, God. And unfortunately, he had tenure. So even though several people came forward and complained and that like yeah he wasn't there and my grade suffered because of it the the guy I was talking to said you know I'm firmly in your on your side I fully understand what you're talking about he does have tenure there's nothing we can do about it so so you've got a pretty crazy college experience in that regard Uh, a little bit yes yeah that's a little nuts let me ask you this then did you know? Uh, did you know going into college what you wanted to do in life, and did you end up getting a degree or moving towards that goal? I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew what I enjoyed learning about. So that's okay. why you that's... just fell into our grasp. Yeah, you, honestly, man, like I, just that one sentence makes me think that at least on some level you would really appreciate this movie because what Accepted really is, and I think for Richie and I, uh, for very different reasons, we felt very lost in college in that like we were there because we kind of felt like we had to be, but we didn't really have like a purpose or an end game in mind. And Accepted in so, in kind of a long story short sort of way is about that time in your life where you just kind of feel lost in the world and Uh, It's particularly tough when you look around you and there's people that seem like they're like, man, they have it figured out. What the fuck am I doing wrong with this? But uh, this movie just kind of dives into that concept in a very unique and fun, uh, admittedly silly way. I mean, it's very much uh, lots of elements of fantasy that would never happen in real life, but uh, it's still a really fun 90 minute trip to go on. 
And there's there's one scene in particular that Miles and I mm-hmm. will both say is by I far. You know exactly our what he's scene. talking about. <laughs> there's a brief little montage where the main character, played by Justin Long, his name's Bartleby Gaines, B, he is touring a real college. He's touring. Quote unquote real college. Yeah, yeah. The real college in the movie, but it's not a real college in real life. And he's sitting in on classes to figure out what college classes are supposed to be like. And he's seeing how stressed out everybody is, and it does this really fast pace where he's standing still, but everyone around him is walking in a fast-forward motion. So, like, people are just blazing by him, and he just looks completely lost. But then when he's actually conversing with other people very briefly, everyone's so high-strung and stressed out, and it's like he came here to get purpose and direction, and he's starting to realize that, like, the normal college experience isn't really benefiting anybody. It's or not at least really, not everybody. It's not giving people direction unless they already knew their direction going in. And it's a very brief scene, but Miles and I have always regarded it as by far the best scene in the movie and a very good metaphor for how a typical person feels when they're in college in this day and age. Well, and honestly, just life in general, too, because there's times Richie and I yes. have had conversations with each other where literally all we say is, you know that scene and accept it? I kind of feel like that right now. And, like, we instantly know exactly what the other person means. It's just this... Um, surreal feeling and they're able to do this one it, i mean it's a it's a college comedy so like you should not yeah. expect like solid filmography or anything like that but in this moment they just did this wonderful job with maybe a 30 second scene that spoke volumes to myself to richie and i think to a lot of other people that are maybe either our age or have gone through similar experiences as us or at that time in our life hmm it's kind of like the reverse Shakespeare thing, because, you know, Shakespeare always had this high drama, and then he had that brief little moment of comedy to give you the break and the pause. But in this one, the whole thing's a comedy, but this brief 30 seconds of super intense metaphor, and, and, and it just really hits home in that moment. All right, okay. So not something I would have expected in a film that had Justin Long and Jonah Hill in it, so... Yeah, that's not... <laughs> well, and when you described earlier, like the concept of, uh, I believe uh, I'm going to paraphrase slightly, but you said you didn't necessarily knew or know what you wanted to do, but you knew what you liked to learn about. And there's another sequence of, well, really, it's honestly like a major part of the movie is kind of how they, they build this college experience that's completely unorthodox the from course the course curriculum so to speak right it's completely unorthodox from what like a quote-unquote real college would be like but they actually let the students just like write out the things that they're interested in learning about and that's how they kind of develop this very um it's like almost hippy dippy in the way it's constructed but it totally it's, it's from one extreme to the film. absolute other yeah it paints a great picture of what the South Harmon Institute of Technology is all about. Did you say shit? <laughs> Shithead for life. <laughs> and also the movie has Lewis Black as the dean and mm. and a younger Blake Lively, who this might be my favorite role of hers. Okay. Well, I am a fan of Lewis Black, so that's uh, at least one thing going for it there. And they do let him off the leash a bit. If, you, if you're if you a fan of his stand-up, then he very much is doing various bits that he's already done, but just in the veil of this dean of this college. So it's great for Lewis Black fans. I also enjoy his comedy quite a bit, and he uh, he gets to, to do his thing quite a bit in this movie. He gets a lot of good rants, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, he, he is a good rant comic. 
Honestly, even like the sub roles, like I, I don't know who they are, their names. I'm not gonna be able to name the actor, but like for instance, Bartleby's family, both the the parents are believable, and the little sister, even though she doesn't have a very big role, she really plays this great foil to her brother in a more believable manner than it's usually done. Uh, I, she's I, a great I, little actress in this. <laughs> yeah, she really is. I have no idea how old she is. She's you know probably less than 12 i don't know how old kids are but she's a child but she does a really great job <laughs> in this role and it's got a young the penguin from uh, gotham i can, uh, robin oh Lord Taylor. yeah yeah he's abernathy he's darwin dunlap add he's super, yeah he's super crazy in this movie <laughs> hmm. so th- there's some recognizable faces for sure in the movie all right well, maybe I'll uh, give this a look at some point. Then. <laughs> no, we need a hard I don't think, guess right I don't now. think we did a very good job convincing him here, Rich. Yeah, we're going to have to lay down the heat, man. Come on. <laughs> what what do we got to do to get this DVD in your player tonight, sir? Reopen well, Blockbuster would be step one? I, I was going to say, somehow <laughs> teleport it to me would be uh, step one. And then I could actually watch it because, yes, it's a DVD. Ooh, an antiquated technology at this point, surely. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I was watching my DVD copy of this earlier because I, I bought it when Miles and I lived together, and I still have it. And even though it's got a couple uh, spots on it that skip, it still works for the most part. <laughs> I'm, I might have bought it from a Blockbuster when I stopped working. I don't know. It's a memories. Thing of, <laughs> Stone Age memories. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I may still have a DVD or two from 2006 sitting around. Uh, moving to America, I had to sell off. I think about 98% of my DVD collection. I'm sorry for oh, your loss. So what 2%, what's in your 2% there? The oh, that's one was a good worth question. Keeping. Yeah, what, what were the ones that you decided, no, I just cannot throw these away? Uh, well, I basically decided to look through it and think, okay, I'm going to America. I will hopefully have something that can play a Region 2 DVD, which at the current moment in time, I don't. So I need to look into that again. But uh, I have some stuff that I didn't think would be available at all over here. So there's a, a British TV show called Dad's Army. I have okay. all, I have all of that. And uh, I recently found out it's actually on Netflix over here now. They've, uh, they've put it on there. So, <laughs> so that works. Um, I've also got a TV show called The British Empire in there. And that was something that... Uh, this will be a bit of a long shot. Uh, are either of you two fans of a TV show called Red Dwarf? Negative. I I know about Red Dwarf. I've never watched it, but I've always wanted to because I love. Um, is that Nick Cross? What's oh, not Nick Cross. Um, what's his Nick Frost? I think I don't remember his name. Simon Pegg's writing partner. Yeah, yeah. And isn't uh, he the guy in Red Dwarf? No, he is not. <laughs> Shit. Well, I would draw everything I said. As, but that guy you're is great. You're thinking of space right now. I think that's what you're thinking of. Uh, oh. Yeah, no. Uh, Red Dwarf started in uh, 1988, and uh, it, it's still going. It uh, it hasn't been going continuously the whole time, but uh, it is still going right now. And uh, it's it's a situational comedy set three million years in the future in space and uh it's it really good and one of the lead characters from that the person who played this chris barry and he made another show at the same time called the british empire where he plays someone who is in charge of a leisure center and he's someone that he believes emphatically that he can do anything he sets his mind to the problem is he can't so it's just 
the the humor comes from that, and it's uh, it, a lot of hilarity ensues. Pretty much, yes, and like he believes that like, everyone loves him, and he's just that abrasive personality that even his own wife can't stand him. Like it's just that you don't know why they're married, but they are, and it's, it's <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was a really cool show, and that one I'm fairly certain is not available online at least at the present time. So yeah, I'm glad I've still got that, and I've got a couple of. Um, out there things like uh, there was an old UK comedian called Tommy Cooper I've got a couple of uh, compilations of his uh, which I would urge anyone to see but I don't know how you would at this point they might be on YouTube <laughs> but uh, they're going to come hang out with you so they can check out your DVDs exactly <laughs> at the risk of sounding very offensive to all your listeners that show sounded incredibly British <laughs> but um, I think that I I think I've actually heard of the British Empire before as well yeah, yeah. The, um, I mean, it, it's one of those shows that, like, maybe one percent of people I talked to will have seen, but that one yeah. percent of people would be emphatically supportive of it. Because that's great, though. You love those kind of communities. Yeah, and it, it's just I rewatched it several years ago. Now I just went through in order, just seasons one through season eight. But of course. A UK season is very different to an American season because the UK season typically consists of between six and ten episodes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've come across that on a couple of occasions with, like, Netflix shows, and it's like, where the hell is the rest of this? <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely uh, quality over quantity in England, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost positive that was a burn. Yep. <laughs> a backhanded comment. Just a little bit. But you know what? Just keep giving me more Sherlock and, and it's all good. Yeah, I think we'll be getting another season in what, two years, three years? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> I'll just I'll just wait till they make the American version of the show and check that out. <laughs> what do you mean when it when it bombs terribly? Cause... Wait. I thought they did that with Lucy Lou or something. I was gonna say, I believe elementary was that. And uh... yeah. No, did they actually try? I would just assume they would eventually. Yeah, Watson, Watson was Lucy Liu. Oh, wow. Apparently it did pretty well for a while, though, but it's nothing compared to the other Sherlock. Sure. Yes. <laughs> Makes sense. How about we try and bring this back to, <laughs> to the film, then? Um, so, so accepted. Yes. Um, yeah, check it out. It's a good movie. I say you kind of answered the next two questions, uh, then, because uh, the one that... The question that I normally go with next is, what about it speaks to you? And you definitely did a very good job of explaining that uh, at the beginning when you were talking about the film. And then the one after that is always, do you have a favorite moment or scene from the film? (laughs) (laughs) Way to go, Rich. Nailed it. We spoke from the heart. Mm -hmm. We are shitheads now and we'll be shitheads forever. And not having seen the film, I'm going to assume that that is a reference. Either that or you're just very self <laughs> Absolutely not. Nope, just uh, just what we call ourselves. Yeah. No, in the film, the school that they essentially create out of nothing is the South Harmon Institute of Technology, which is a joke already used on The Simpsons like a decade prior, but of course the acronym spells shit, so they just really, really drive that home in Accepted, which is not overdone, though. It's actually really funny in a lot of ways. Even... Even a decade removed from college, which is depressing, but pretty close to accurate. The movie still holds up, I feel like. It still holds up pretty well. But essentially the drama in the film is they make a fake college to fool their parents. They make a website, and they want to make the website work. So there's a button that says click for approval, and once people click it, they're approved for the school. So all these random kids that didn't get into any other colleges 
I'll end up clicking this button. So after they make this fake college, there's thousands of kids outside waiting to get in saying, I got approved. I'm here for school. And that's where all the, the drama comes from, pretty much. Ah, for them having to actually put one together. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I do recall hearing about this one. I just don't know. Uh, for, for whatever reason, it didn't grab me at the time. So, all right. Uh, it's not a very high thinker. It's one to watch when you're just wanting to relax. And honestly, again, it's I watched it today. I watched it um, about six months ago before that, and I still feel like it holds up well. And it just, for some reason, at the end of the movie, like you feel like you know how certain things are going to play out. But either way, it, it, whether it does or not, it still puts you in a good mood at the end. And it's just something about that has always, has always spoken to me and Miles about it. So, Absolutely. All right. Well, cool. Uh, we literally used to watch it every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rather than actually going to your classes, you would watch a film about people creating new ones. Oh, no comment. How, how accurate that is. It's, it's, yes, yeah, you nailed it. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, I can kind of relate to that. Uh, <laughs> so the last question I have then for this one is, so I'm assuming there is no sequel to this. It sounds like the sort of film that would kind of wrap itself up in a neat bow at the end. Uh, but assuming there's no sequel, if you were given the opportunity to write a sequel to it, what would you want it to be about? Oh, hmm. <laughs> The little sister. I guess Definitely that would be the, the only logical route to go, right? Well, like, what happens when, like, how is the school doing? Because at the, at the end, spoiler alert, they get a one-year probationary period to test out all the theories they put into practice. So I would want to see the, the little girl when she's a senior in high school, like, wh- if she's deciding to go to a real college or if, she, if the school's doing well, like, is she going to go to her brother's school? Is it a legacy issue? And, like, I feel like there could be a lot of comedy in there. Like, this school is only a few years old, but you're going to talk about legacies. Well, and then, like, you could take it, since in this previous film, it was, like, the Harmon College was the one that kind of went after them because they kind of ripped off of them a little bit. You could kind of take it huge, and they could be, like, getting the attention of the Ivy League schools and, like, actually affecting their attendance numbers. So, like, Yale and Harvard and Stanford and them, like, actually, like, joined forces together to take on shit. Or another school uses the shit formula and tries to start up, but they're doing things completely wrong. Oh, I like that. Yeah, they're not. They don't have the right spirit in mind. They're just trying to make yeah. money off of these guys. Yeah, we could I, be Hollywood writers. <laughs> but ultimately, and, and I, I don't want to. I don't want to see that movie. To be completely honest, no, I feel like they should leave that. Uh, I, I feel like they should leave that be. But if Let's they if they lie. had to, the the suggestions there would be would be where we'd go. All right, okay. Uh, I think you've neatly covered that one then, so it, I, I will definitely write that down, and the next time I get the chance to see it, I'll put it on. Hell yeah, dude, check yes! it out. Yes! <laughs> Victory in podcast. <laughs> it's only downhill after this. Uh, I feel like we need to save him from this other movie. <laughs> well, let, let's see, shall we? So yes, obviously that's the film that you really like, and now we'll move into the film that you maybe don't like so much. Um, and as per usual, I'm not going to try and guess the genre for this, because there are so many bad films in all of the genres that it's not even worth trying. Well, to so, be fair, this one, according to IMDb, is listed as three genres, so you have a really good chance if you want to throw out a shot. Three <laughs> genres. I was trying to figure out how to it's count It's listed it. as all three genres, yes. 
All right, then. Um... <laughs> I just read the genre. <laughs> All right. How about... Oh, let's go comedy, then. Negative, no. sir. No. No, no, All right. Not, and... one, not one of the three. <laughs> and I'll go with my normal, then, and sci-fi. It's closer actually it should honestly i would list it as that more than i would romance which was one of them uh this is listed as a horror romance thriller and uh it was richie's choice but he did a great job a horror romance thriller are you ready for the for the title sure hit me with it oh well first i'm gonna paint you a picture all right there's a man going about his life going after the woman that he loves trying to start a relationship and all of a sudden there's a group of animals that start terrorizing everybody. There's birds flying in the sky, but they're pecking people's eyes out. They're, they're attacking people. What, what kind of movie does that sound like to you? Uh, I, I would say a psychological one, because are the birds really there, or is it all in his head? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, I was referencing the Alfred Hit, or I was referencing the birds, yes, but this- no, this is not that movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is a terrible, terrible ripoff of that movie called Birdemic Shock and Terror. That oh, released and in it's 2010. so bad. It's so bad. Just to give you perspective, on IMDb, it's rated 1.8 out of 10. Ah. And Miles and I actually saw this together in theaters as well. However, <laughs> it, <laughs> it was being... Rift by Rift Tracks, the Mystery Science Theater 3000 guys, ah. where they were making fun of this movie live while we were watching it via satellite feed. So that for that reason, it does actually kind of have an endearing place in our hearts because yeah. we enjoyed the Rift Tracks so much. But just trying to watch this movie, first of all, they shorten the hell out of it when you watch it on Rift Tracks because there's just <laughs> so much of this movie that you cannot believe actually like made it through the editing process. Uh, and every... I, Everything about this movie is bad. It's not just the concept being a total ripoff. The CGI is god-awful. It should be laughable on its own. <laughs> but just, like, the way these people interact with each other is, like, the no... god-awful. There are no humans that have ever in the history of humaning, like, interacted with each other in this manner. It's so, so bad. And uh, some of they the dialogue... Like robots. Some of the dialogue is so ridiculous. Like early in the film, this this main character is a salesperson, and he's we see him on the biggest sales call of his life, and we can hear him. What is it going to take to close this today, sir? And then there's a pause, and he goes, "I'll give you that and fifty percent off." And we got a deal, and then he's all excited. His boss comes in. Uh, what do you do? He's like, "I just closed a million dollar deal, the biggest of my life." It's like, so are you? telling me that you either gave away just now either a million or half a million dollars depending on if that million was before or after the 50 percent discount and it's always and then ev- there's the awkward high five they give each other oh my god <laughs> and everything is in perfectly round numbers it's so obnoxious like it, to the point where it like like literally pick any other distance because everything is like it's 10 miles it we sold the company for one billion dollars and it's just like do you not have other numbers? Like, does everything round in this universe? It's frustrating dialogue. And then furthermore, I'm almost done with this rant, but the sound editing in this movie is some of the <laughs> worst. Like, as somebody who has listened to my earlier, Richie and R's, like, early podcasting where it was rough, like, we could give these people some tips on how to, like, not make your movie sound like shit. Like, for instance... Don't just cut into, like, silence from, like, nature sounds and then, like, back into conversation where you can clearly hear all three places where the audio tracks hit. Uh, it's just a truly bad movie, man. 
and and to try to help them out a little bit, I'll give the movie a little bit of credit. I heard their budget was only like ten thousand dollars, but still, so I feel they like, had to turn like the Miles microphones said, off yeah, in between we could, takes. We could do to a little bit money. more with ten thousand dollars, I think. And and he didn't even touch on the actual birds themselves. It's like oh, eagles God. and vultures, and they spit like acid. But they just they don't points. move. Dude. They, like they just actually are stationary on screen, and you just see their birds. Just, I'm sorry, well, their wings just kind of. On, the, on the scenes, on the scenes when the birds are supposed to be moving, they have the birds flapping their wings in the distance, but they're not going anywhere. Like they're stationary while they're flapping the wings. And then the scenes where the birds are actually shown moving, they're perfectly still, and it looks like they just they put like a overhead projection of like outlined birds on there, and they're like moving it left to right across the screen. <laughs> Honestly, oh, I would have rather watched them have a, like, stuffed bird on a stick, and you could see the stick, and maybe even sometimes you could see the dude's hand holding the stick. And they kind of do that when they start fighting the birds at the end. <laughs> oh my god, there's a scene where they're smacking the birds out of the sky, but the birds are not in any way, shape, or form affected, and it's like watching, like, really early green screen, where these people have no idea. If you Did anybody watch the show uh, Nick Arcade on Nickelodeon by chance. I'm going to go deep cut analogy here. No? no? I did All not. Right. <laughs> well, in the end of that show, there was always this, like, you were basically, these kids were put into a video game, and you were, you could tell they were probably given 15 seconds of instruction of, like, okay, here's the green screen, you're going to be able to see what's happening on the monitors behind you, and inevitably what happened is at the end of each episode of Nick Arcade, you saw two kids frantically waving their arms about, trying to figure out what the fuck they were doing in a, like, virtual reality video game, and that's essentially what these people trying to smack these fake birds away are, are looking like, is they're just smacking random air, and the birds are in no way, shape, or form affected by this. <laughs> and to top it all off, my biggest pet peeve about this movie is these birds are literally killing people, spitting acid, doing whatever <laughs> they can to wipe out humanity. And as these people are like driving from town to town to like escape and find survivors, the camera angles always from outside the car in these moments, and the windows are always down. And I'm like, these birds are literally killing people. Well, like, that's so they can randomly fire guns into the air, Richie. Because yes. <laughs> yeah, they do that the whole like, fucking movie, too. I feel like they couldn't figure out how to get a good shot from inside the vehicle. So they're like, well, I need you to, to roll the window down or I'm going to get a glare off the window while I'm shooting this. I only have $10,000. <laughs> and honestly, the, I would say that even more frustrating than all of that is the entire movie. There are such heavy-handed environmental, like, propaganda and don't get me wrong i'm all for like taking care of our planet and whatnot but they just do it in such an obnoxious way where they'll have like their the director's like website in the background like just on a wall as if it were art like findpeace.com or whatever the hell it is and they constantly i think they go on a double date and they see an inconvenient truth the most romantic date night movie <laughs> of all time i read that the director actually had stuff in the movie for that exact purpose. Like if you pay attention to the movie, the birds and the vultures and the eagles only attack cars and gas stations and things like that because they're trying to be eco-friendly. And that was like Miles said, the whole tone of the movie was supposed to be geared in that direction. But it's just the way they went about it, it just – it totally blows up in their faces. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how st – he hurt the cause more than he helped it with this movie. <laughs> don't worry, like, though. I feel like My going outside is a hiding right now. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, like just uh, doing a little bit of uh, quick research here while you were talking about it. Supposedly, 
the director has explained that the birds were mutated and toxic due to global warming, and that's why yes. they do what they do. I guess that's why they spit. Oh well, now it all makes sense. (laughs) It's like okay, this person clearly doesn't know what global warming does, but okay, sure, why not? Uh, Yeah. To be fair, everyone should see this movie. Yeah, but I had. uh, (laughs) I I, do like. Oh, go ahead. I'm so sorry. I was say I I had heard of this film only because there is another podcast that I'm familiar with called One Good Thing. And someone suggested to them that they watch Birdemic, Shock and Terror, and so they did, and they had to find the one good thing about the film. Uh, It's a a cool episode. I think you guys would enjoy it. We'll have to check that out for sure, yeah. Well, and here's the capper on this whole thing. They made a sequel. Oh, God, they sure did. I haven't seen the sequel myself, but they they did make a sequel called Birdemic 2, The Resurrection. Oh, Okay. Is it the resurrection of the birds or the resurrection of the people that were killed by the birds in the first film? Like, what's happening here? Well, at the end of Birdemic, all the, like, don't they, they leave the regular people alone because they're off on, like, some beach and they're not using anything that's harmful to the environment. So the birds come to attack and then they just kind of, like, wander off into the sky. (laughs) (laughs) They're not using guns or they're not using fuel. So what's okay? We can leave them alone now. Yes. It just... So I guess they come back. I don't know. The, the <laughs> Wikipedia page for the sequel says, Taking place two years after Birdemic, the film follows another mass bird attack caused by global warming, this time in Hollywood. Oh, so oh. It's, it's it's essentially happening at the same time, just we're seeing a different... It's like two years later. Oh, it was two years later. Okay, sorry. So I, just, just different setting, though, essentially. Yeah, um, and... Slightly different California than the first movie. <laughs> yeah, and supposedly zombies are in it. Well, and so, a lot of the oh, movies yes. like in an office and sometimes clearly a green screen. So I don't really think it matters where it's happening. All right. So yeah, you, you've pretty much gone into a fair amount of details to just why this film is that bad. Uh, so. I guess in one good redeeming quality, I, Whitney Moore was nice to look at. That's going to sound <laughs> terrible, but like she was quite attractive in the movie, but it's... And she actually she had a couple moments of decent acting, but the main guy just drove me crazy. <laughs> I, I cannot deal with him. Well, I mean, everything too, just like with her old thing. She's a model, and like she goes and does a, a photo shoot at one point at literally a one hour photo, and then like an hour <laughs> later, she gets a call that she got the job to model for the cover of Victoria's Secrets, which the cover of what their catalog for one but uh just it's just that's the type of thing it's like yeah i have an audition it's like oh i'm a victoria's secret model now because that's the world we live in it pays one million dollars there's like a two minute trailer on youtube or just online somewhere if you watch the two minute trailer you'll laugh the entire time to the trailer it'll kind of make you want to watch the movie it's like a fashion model who fashions and it's just like, like stop it's not even a verb <laughs> Well, it is now, so there you go. <laughs> if you can say it, it's a thing. <laughs> How cromulent of them. That's really in big in my vocabulary. <laughs> Good callback there. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so obviously you've covered some of the real problem areas with this film. So, I right, let's say that for whatever reason, the director came to you guys and said, Oh, you're right, this is terrible. Um, can you fix <laughs> what this an for awkward me, conversation that would be how fun would that be like such a an exciting time because it would just be so weird to be in that conversation yeah <laughs> well, 
Well, let's say that he did come to you and say, yeah, you're right, actually, yes, this is a bad film. This is, this um, is trash. Yeah. So, okay. uh, could you please help me fix it? Like, what would you do to try yeah. and fix this film? There's a lot to address here. <laughs> well, starting off with the most simple thing, the opening credits start on a road inside a car while he's driving to his new business area, and the camera's, like, almost at a 40 to 5 almost at a 45 degree angle inside his car, but not quite. And there's no real purpose to that. And it's like, just have a straight shot from inside the car and Birdemic and the whole shock and terror is just all in big, plain white letters. <laughs> I mean, it's just... And Part I, of it's actually under the car on accident because it just isn't really <laughs> overcast correctly. And Was there even music in the opening credits? I don't even remember. It's just the first two and a half minutes of the movie are incredibly boring. Oh, it's awful. You and know, the dude sits down in a restaurant to order food and then sees the girl walk by and he remembers her from school. So he immediately gets up and just runs out the restaurant. I would have like the waitress run out and tackle him or do a McDonald's thing and bash his head against the table. Do something like that to, uh, you know, make it a little more relevant. I was just going to say that the director should maybe consider watching some humans interact with each other and then trying to <laughs> recreate that for his film. Because these these lines of dialogue are just terrible. And... Even if the dialogue isn't terrible, the delivery is just stiff. <laughs> like, honestly, it might be with, do the, some improv. with the budget that they had, it very literally could be like, hey, here's your script. We're shooting this and we only have time for one take. So they're like reading <laughs> off a of cue cards or something because it, it really does just feel that rough. But again, it's the way these people interact with each other is just some of the strangest, strangest conversation you will ever hear. Honestly, I think it would be better if they totally oversold all those things. Like, if if the acting was a little bit better, then this would just be like a really, really boring movie. So if you're gonna, that's I guess go true. That's route, it makes it somewhat watchable because it's so yeah, fringy. it makes it comical. So sure. like they should just go even more comical, and maybe that's what the sequel does. So maybe he listened to to my thoughts, Mister James Wynn. Yeah, James Wynn. Yeah. They can do the thing where, like, in every scene, somebody needs to be standing, somebody needs to be sitting, and somebody needs to be kneeling, and that way it'll just give <laughs> us a little bit more movement on screen. Wait, well, and, yeah. and more windows down on cars. <laughs> Maybe they should just get everyone that's ever been on... Whose line is it anyway? Uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. That would be really great. Get a suggestion, like middle of the movie, we're just going to get a suggestion from the crowd. Like, okay, we're going to replace the birds with something else. Who wants to see it? It's like beach balls and... Uh, Tic-tac box. They just, like, literally mid-scene, you can just see the shitty 90s CGI that was done in 2010 uh, <laughs> flip from a bird that doesn't move to a beach ball that doesn't move and then, like, just start pummeling these people. I think Come that would be a movie I would watch. <laughs> The audience selection, there's like five different options and you pick which one you like the most and that's what attacks them. You've just got like all these different tracks on the DVD <laughs> so at any given time you can change up what the emic is. Ooh, ooh, look at you. Yeah, yeah but it, it would kind of end up being like that episode of Futurama when they're watching the Calculon film. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like, exactly. yeah, I think I'll have to. If you want Calculon to go to the firefight, press one. If you want to double check its paperwork, press two. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, you have pressed two. No, I didn't. I'm almost positive you did. <laughs> Always two. We're boned. <laughs> yeah, supposedly 
the director wanted to make Birdemic three Sea Eagle, uh, but he tried. <laughs> he tried to Sea Eagle. Sea Eagle. He tried to crowdfund <laughs> it, and uh, he he tried to crowdfund it on Indiegogo. He asked for five hundred thousand dollars, and he raised five hundred and ninety six. And that's not five hundred ninety six thousand. Just five hundred ninety six dollars. And then it's because he gave him seventy five percent off. Yeah, well, and then. Uh, <laughs> Then he tried. It to would have it. been the biggest sell of his life. <laughs> well, let's see. He did that, and so it's like, okay, I'm going to go on Kickstarter, and he asked for two hundred thousand, and he ended up only making two hundred and thirty dollars on that so one. It's gonna, so, so, Birdemic Three is going to be a budget of seven hundred bucks. So, I mean, honestly, it can't make it the movie any worse. So, I, I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah, but it's just like, how does this guy feel about himself at the end of the day? I feel bad for him, like. I don't know. You know he tried to make a good movie. Like, he didn't do this on purpose, and now he's, he knows he's got a cult following for these movies, so he's like, I can play off that to make to get money to make another one, and, like, even that's not working out in his favor. I, I feel bad for the guy. See, I almost think it was almost made in the, like, Sharknado spirit, where they are intentionally Maybe goofy. Maybe the second one. But the problem, I think, that kind of contradicted that was how seriously and heavy-handedly he put the like environmental message into it because it just made, yeah. it took away from the campy and goofiness of it and it was just awkward <laughs> it was like it was like really bad product placement except the product was like love earth which is great again i'm all for that but just not in the way it was presented in this film yeah i mean something like birdemic like you're kind of expecting something along the lines of sharknado like it's just going to be a, a silly over the top thing, and it seems maybe like they it... should have added tornadoes. I mean, that might have helped. Yeah, the birds are the only thing that can survive. <laughs> They're just flying in circles around everybody. They'll make you really dizzy. Yeah, I think the biggest problem I have, not even not having seen the film, is just the name of it. Because birdemic, that's what that's an epidemic of birds. Like, yeah, like they're spreading disease or something. I. I guess, but it's like, are there more birds than there normally would be? Have they somehow <laughs> multiplied, or are they just angry birds? Oh, they're just pissed off. <laughs> angry this birds is how Angry Birds is born, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they got the inspiration for the mobile app that took the world by storm. Storm? Did you say tornado again? <laughs> Comes full circle. But um, <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm glad we picked this movie and not Manos Hand of Fate. That was our backup plan. <laughs> Fair enough. Another one I haven't seen and I know even less about, so there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, I don't think I have any more questions about <laughs> this one. <laughs> You've got uh, all the birdemic info off? you can possibly m- handle? Yeah, I think so. And you said that there's uh, the Rift Track version of it. Maybe I'll see if I can find that one <laughs> so, i would highly recommend that version to anybody it's it's really funny anytime they do anything it's really fun it's the only time we we saw a movie they did where i was like oh, it's almost better without them was the santa claus conquers the martian movie see i would have said starship troopers because i really love that movie on its own and the audio audio is a little off that night to be honest but yeah that that was a bad experience but <laughs> the plan nine from outer space is i think the one you're oh. talking about right that's Plan 9 from Outer Space, I was thinking about bringing up in this one, but I knew Miles hadn't seen it, and the first time I saw that was on a VHS tape, and that one's a, a whole bunch of fun to make fun of. <laughs> I've I've seen bits and pieces of Plan 9 from Outer Space, and uh, I've also seen Ed Wood, so I've sort <laughs> of seen that version oh, of wow. it as well. Uh, but 
Yeah, I I know that Plan 9 from Outer Space is one of several films that have been called the worst film of all time. People falling over cardboard graves <laughs> <and> tombstones. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot of hilarity. How does that make it in the film? <laughs> How did somebody not notice that? Well, I, I think uh, it's the same calculon problem of like, uh, like you may do two takes. I do one take. well in that one too uh the guy that was playing dracula died early on in the filming so they've got another guy who plays dracula but every time that guy's in the scene he's got the cape over his like you can only see his eyes he has the cape covering his mouth so you can't tell it's a different actor yeah because it was um uh was it lugosi did he get was it lugosi in that and uh and then he died and so it was like his girlfriend's dentist or something something like that yeah yeah, yeah look. but it, it's really it's weird to see because you keep seeing dracula and he's always doing the same thing for the rest of the movie <laughs> yeah but we're here to talk about birdemic yes we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah do, uh, do you have any other final thoughts that you might want to uh, touch on before we uh, wrap it up can't wait for the uh, motion park theme ride or motion <laughs> theme theme park motion ride is what i was trying to say there words are hard <laughs> <laughs> well after watching birdemic everything is more difficult in life <laughs> yeah and i am um, trying to think which which amusement park would would create that then i don't see universal going ahead with it uh see i thought universal studios was going to embrace sharknado and and do a ride like instead of doing the jimmy fallon experience that replaced twister i feel like is sharknado yeah it is uh they like you like uh. go through the streets of new york but I think if they would have like turned that Twister experience that they had in Florida into the Sharknado like experience, that would have been a really really smart move on their part. And surely they already had the special effects in place. Throw a couple of Bruces in there, and you'll be good to go. You know, yeah. I, there's something to be said if they can make a theme park of all of the movies that are regarded as the worst movies of all time and make a theme park based around all those and have different experiences all over for that. That'd be a really fun place to go visit. Yeah. Like a B movie park type of thing. Yeah. I, either that or it would be, Move B. it would be the most, it would either be really fun to walk through or the most depressing theme park of all time. <laughs> it's like that either way we're making money it's like that knockoff version of disneyland they have in europe there before they had like euro disney where everything was just kind of like grim and dirty and like the mascots were clearly supposed to be like mickey and goofy but they were just like a kind of an ugly rat and like mangy dog <laughs> good names there miles yep <laughs> You know, I read earlier today that they were going to plan in the original Disney park, they're going to have like a villain center where like Maleficent or however you say her name, like her castle was going to be the main attraction there. And I was like, man, that sounds really cool. Honestly. It does sound kind of cool. Yeah. Have a villain center. That that would be good. I mean, the, the, they've recently started doing a thing where, and you have to actively look out for this because you wouldn't know it was there otherwise, but you go to this one place at Magic Kingdom and you get these cards uh, for free, and you can go around, and at special designated points, you can stand there, and the villains sort of appear, and oh, you cool. and you use the card to kind of like fire spells at them, and as you defeat them, you gain stuff, and as you, 
and you know, trying so they're to... kind of knocking oh. off like the Harry Potter section in Universal Studios where the wands are interactive with shit. Now they've created their own version of that, but that sounds really cool. Yeah, they, it, there's a narrative. I think the villains have stolen some stuff, and so you've got to go and defeat them and get them back. And if you manage to get all of them back, you can get something when you leave the park. Oh, cool. That's clever. That's a kind of a way to uh, get you over the hump of being bored standing in line, too, I guess. Yeah, it gives you another activity to do with your, like, smartphone right there. Yeah, I mean, I, I found out about it the last time I was at Magic Kingdom, five minutes before I left. So... <laughs> <laughs> I have to go back. Bummer. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I think it'll be interesting to do when my daughter's a little older, see if she'll be into that. Or if it's even still going at that point. <laughs> It'll be something even fancier by then. You won't even have to leave your house to go to Disney World by then. Yeah, no. I, I mean, I've got a, a PlayStation 4 Standard VR. Standard line, thing. VR. Yeah, Ready Player One standing in line edition. <laughs> and then you'll have the, uh, the VR version of the VR version of the waiting in line as well. <laughs> well, there you go, yeah. And then you can, you can buy the fast pass so that you don't have to virtually wait to virtually wait. It just keeps going and going and going. <laughs> or the one where you get to the front of the line and then they tell you you're too big to get on the ride. Oh, yeah. But in VR. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, your avatar is, does not meet the dimensions that's required for this ride. <laughs> or you go to the old school South Park. Roots like, well, this line better be worth it. Did you enjoy the line ride? <laughs> <laughs> line experience. All right. Well, uh, I think that was uh, a very good summation of Birdemic and a bunch of other things as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Thank you so much, Paul, for having us. This was a really good time. I had a lot of fun talking movies with you, and uh, it's been been really cool. So thank you so much. Before before we go, can we give our our movie background so that when people are like, well, why should we trust these guys' opinions? <laughs> we can be like, well, Miles is a film scholar from Yale. <laughs> How do you, don't, I don't want everybody to know so I'm a Yale, bro. Come on. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you may as well. For those that haven't turned off at this point, sure. <laughs> Miles, why should people listen to your review of these two movies? I am literally just some guy on the internet. I don't know why you've been listening to me up until this point. I'm just a film buff, man. I've watched so many movies. Uh, it, yeah, like you, you mentioned, like you're twenty percent. Like if I kept just twenty percent, I would still have way too many to move overseas. <laughs> yeah, I, I really did have trouble like narrowing that stuff down. I ended up <laughs> taking two suitcases. Like down the road to the uh, the, the second hand DVD place to sell them all off, and I ended up getting about three hundred pounds at the end of it. So it was uh, a bit bittersweet, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's always the worst feeling in the world when you think you're you have like a bottom line you think you're gonna get, and then usually you get much much less than that, and you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> I can buy these back in the future. No, and then you never, you never do. do. Yeah, I mean, the the one I actually missed the most was I ended up getting rid of my Twilight Zone DVDs. Oh no! Yeah, I and I got I think I got about uh, fifteen pounds for the first two seasons as well because uh, they didn't have any in stock. So it was. Uh... I would have thought they would have weighed more than that, having all of the. Uh, <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> Uh, Richie, though, you uh, actually had like a legit reason to try to get your opinion out there. So go ahead, sir, and don't forget to plug our show at the end. 
Well, yes, I being a big movie buff like Miles, I used to go every weekend with my dad to see a movie. Miles and I pretty frequently go see movies together. But on top of that, I have a total of over six years of experience working for the the long gone blockbuster. Um, So, yeah, I worked there for over six years, recommending movies, watching movies pretty much every day. Um, Yeah. So I have a fake experience as a film buff as well. So (laughs) believe everything Miles and I tell you guys, because it's 100 percent true 50 percent of the time. Those numbers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The numbers add up. If I give you 50 percent of nothing, but I still have 100 percent left afterwards, you can do the math on that. It makes no sense. Uh, yeah. I, but you can follow us on Twitter at Best Darn Diddly. Miles is at Mr. Most Days Off. I am at the Wiz underscore Kid23. Check out everything you need on Best Darn Diddly at our website, bestdarndiddly.com. That's Diddly, D I D D L Y. All right. And yep. Yeah, so, so, once again, great having you guys on. Uh, and uh, hopefully, we'll have you on for uh, a regular review at some point. Yeah, it'd be awesome, man. We'd love to do that. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, and for those of you who want to get a hold of myself uh, for anything that was said over the course of this, uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Blokebusters. You can go to blokebusters.com and look nice and shiny there. Or you can go to podbrose.com and look at us on there as well as a bunch of other fine shows. And uh, also, I will say on here now, um, I know that I put out the first episode uh, recently, but uh, the other podcast that I've started doing as a host is Filmly Fortunes. Uh, do go check it out. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be once a month, and uh, it's uh, a film quiz podcast with other film review podcasts coming on and battling it out. So do go check that Ooh. out when you get a chance. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, uh, with all of that being said, I've been Paul. This has been Miles. And I am Richie. Right. And uh, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Be cromulent to each other. Send all your hate mail to Paul. <laughs> In case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Uh. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Hi there, Paul here with a quick theatre etiquette lesson for you. Did you know that opening a bag of candy can take less than five seconds?